the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Sometimes I forget to say that. I should not. Um, I know that there's a lot of options out there for you. I do a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. Back in the 90s, I did a show dedicated to getting you to understand the way to invest in tech stocks. Now I do a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. Similar but different. Right now, what's happening on the stock market it probably has a lot of people confused. Big tech stocks are running into a little bit of a wall. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell yesterday held the line, saying, I'm not going to raise interest rates as a banker of the United States, as the king banker, as the, the premier banker, the head of the open market committee, the Federal Reserve. He's the king. He said, I ain't going to do anything until 2023, but I know some of my colleagues want to do something. So the question is, is do you slowly take that Band-Aid off or do you rip it off? And he's not going to do it slow. He's going to do it slowly. He's not going to rip. He thinks the U.S. economy needs more time to heal. He thinks some of the inflation expectations will subside when reality sets in that this is government stimulus money versus economic successes as far as like semiconductor sales. GDP in 2021 is now expected to grow 6.5%. Ooh, that's not bad. Um, unemployment rate, he's expecting 4.5%. He wants the inflation rate to be somewhere between 1.8 and 2.4%. A little bit of inflation is okay. Too much inflation is bad. No inflation is not good. Stagnation. Prices dropping deflation is probably a lot worse to me as a monster than, say, inflation. Inflation rates will be picking up noticeably in the coming months, given the low base effects. Um, the pandemic shut us down. There shouldn't have been inflation. When we open back up, we should be consuming, we should be fighting over pineapple drinks as we're all going to Hawaii. And therefore, if you're a pineapple farmer, like you got the product everyone wants. So they inflate the prices. Another thing Fed Chairman Powell said, it is not yet time to start talking about tapering asset purchases on debt. If people want to issue debt, if let's say I'm Rob Black Mortgages, 
he's willing to buy. If I sell you a mortgage for a million dollars at 3%, Federal Reserve will buy it from me. I'm like, sweet. I just made a little bit of money. I can move on to another sucker to sell a million dollars to. So no tapering anytime soon of buying debt. He thinks that the asset purchases in their current form are the right approach. He could change them in a number of different dimensions if it would seem appropriate. But for now, he's just staying staying the way he's going. <clears throat> he's going 45 and a 55. He's being very, very cautious. He's a little bit worried about disorderly conditions in markets or by a persistent tightening of financial conditions that threaten the achievement of goals. If I were to put that another way, the Federal Reserve should not be watching the stock market. They should be watching inflation. They should be going to the grocery store. They should be going looking at homes and going, okay, hot economy, bad economy. They shouldn't have to look at the stock market. The stock market is, in my opinion, a reflection of the economy. <clears throat> and the stock market is very efficient over time. So why did it go up 40% in some sectors in 2020? It was a pandemic. <clears throat> Low cost of money equaled sales. Government printing money equaled sales. There was enough business being done, whether it was sent to you in the form of checks and, ah, don't go to work, just stay at home. That's not a great productivity, but it's, it's still money that was out there. <clears throat> so the Fed's not supposed to look at the stock market, but they do, I think. If the stock market goes up 40% this year, they're going to go, whoa, whoa, what's the stock market seeing that we're not? And also the stock market doesn't create inflation. It's created inflated wealth for me. It's inflated your wealth. So we got the Fed out there. I am all Fed all the time right now. And I'm sorry about that. I know there's other stories out there. It just doesn't feel like they're important. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is tickling uh, new highs on a regular basis, but we've seen a shift out of tech. It doesn't feel <clears throat> tech is leading. Amazon has gone nowhere fast in nine months. Uh, the things you see. 770,000 Americans filed new unemployment claims for the weekend in March 13th. That's not good news. That should be going the other way. So when you say more Americans filed jobless claims than expected, we're, let's not make assumptions. We're going to get out of this, but with government spending only. U.S. and China are going to have high-level meetings in Alaska this week. That's an interesting location. Um, U.S. and China, could they have a worse relationship than they had under Trump? Trump taking a very Republican, strong, made-in-America view into his presidency. If there was any goodwill between the two countries, it's been stretched. <clears throat> We're now talking about boycotting the next Olympic cycle in China. Like, really? Do we have to do that? Do we have to? 1980s, we saw the United States boycott Olympics in Russia, and Russia boycott Olympics in the United States. And anyone who won gold medals that year, they're like, well, you weren't competing against the most athletic of nations, were you? I don't know. I got some statements that I can make about cheating and nations and stuff like that, but I'm going to just keep my mouth shut. I know. I know. It doesn't happen often. 
Peloton and Adidas are going to get into the clothing business line. That's interesting enough. Dollar General shares are down 6%, missing expectations. But sales picked up better than expected. That one's kind of a, a weird one. Signet Jewelers, their stock is up 6%. They earned better than expected revenue on comparable same-store sales. You may not know a Signet, but to me, in the world of individual stocks, I don't know if I need to go that far. Petco, who has a great nickname, ticker symbol Wooft. Their revenue came in above Wall Street expectations with comparable same-store sales up 17%. Wait, wait. Petco, they, 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 they sell pets and they sell pet food. Sales up 17% year over year. Our, our, our family said only like, we need two dogs. We need three dogs. We're a three dog family. There's a little bit of that going on. With COVID and kids being locked down in their homes, parents got them a pet, someone to play with, someone to love because they weren't going down to their neighbor's house. Apple's going to launch a new line of iPads as early as next month. They're going to be very high end. <clears throat> More people have worked and attended school remotely, and they're trying to up their game into that crowd. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Fungible is a fun word to say out loud. It's a word that doesn't quite look like it sounds or sounds like it looks. You would go fung- fungi bowl, fungible eye. I already have tough times with names based out of India or China or names of uh, pharmaceuticals. I, I, I can't do them. <laughs> I, I get tongue twisted. I don't know if it's now like this blind side that I can't get over, but it's something along those lines. So fungible, fungible, non-fungible tokens. You've heard a lot about them. Let's talk about what they are. They're the latest cryptocurrency phenomenon. It's mainstream. We're hearing of Christie's selling a piece of digital art for $69 million from a digital artist named Beeple, which if you go to YouTube and type in B-E-E-P-L-E, Beeple, take a look. He's a pretty fascinating dude. Um, He's got a family. He's English. You're like, he makes some pretty sick art. When I say sick, I'm talking like SIC, like awesome, man. That's that's crazy. That's over the like it's it's pretty cool stuff. Right? But is it worth is it worth sixty nine million dollars? I'll, I'll sell someone a picture of me from my childhood of me feeding a goat. I've got a great one. You could see it at the website. I hate Rob Black, and it's a picture of me feeding a goat as a five year old kid. I've got a bottle. I've got some what I call Bobo shoes. Bobo's cost $1.99. Bobo was made feet feel fine. Um, I know you're saying, why do you know that? <laughs> I don't know. But let's talk about fungible and artists. 
I could sell you that picture of me feeding a goat, and I put it on I Hate Rob Black at Facebook as a way of saying, ah, this guy's all about money, but when he was five, he was all about feeding the frickin' frackin' goats. Now you're seeing artists, musicians, influencers. You're seeing Jack Dorsey sell his first tweet for $2.5 million, a video clip of LeBron James' slam dunk sold for over $200,000. And the last I checked, you can find LeBron James slam dunks on YouTube for free. <clears throat> There's a decade-old Nyan cat, which is a gif, and it's kind of like a cat that looks like a rainbow. That sold for $600,000 of an animated cat, like a cartoon cat, a pixelated cat. But NFTs are not exactly new. CryptoKitties, a digital trading game on cryptocurrency platform Ethereum, was one of the original NFTs allowing people to purchase and sell virtual cats that were both unique and stored on blockchain. What? <laughs> That's right. You could buy a digital cat. And it's yours. And no one else will ever own Jonesy the cat. Hey, wasn't Jonesy the name of the cat in the Alien movie? We have a cat in studio. Nice. You know, I once was doing my nationwide radio show, um, Stock Talk with Rob Black, and I had a cat, Kit Kat. I know you're saying you named your cat Kit Kat. I read somewhere that cats hear the hard K sound really well, and I wanted her to be as responsive as a dog. Anyway, one night out of love. Yeah, there you go. Stock talk with Rob Black. Uh, the big voice of Mike there. Um, and you know what was really cool is from 25 years ago, people have sent me tapes from Stock Talk. People used to make cassette tapes on my radio show. I should sell those as an NFT. So why is the NFT phenomenon taking off now? There's interest from people who enjoy supporting the work of independent creators. And that's a pretty good thing. Um. The headlines seem largely driven by newly minted crypto millionaires and billionaires looking to diversify their Bitcoin holdings. So, you know, we're saying Bitcoin's not real. Unless you go to McDonald's and pay, buy something with it. Well, these people with Bitcoins laying around that went from being $1,000 to being worth $100,000 are saying, why don't I just use my digital currency to buy other digital art? So they're supporting the crypto ecosystem while also diversifying inside the crypto ecosystem. Non-fungible tokens are pieces of digital content linked to a blockchain. That's the beauty of it, the blockchain. Blockchain is a digital database which underpins cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin and Ethereum. Unlike NFTs, those assets are fungible, meaning they can be replaced or exchanged. So that's what the fungible means in fungible. And it can be exchanged with the same exact thing with the same value, like a dollar bill. A dollar bill is fungible. NFTs are non-fungible. NFTs are unique, and they're not mutually interchangeable, which means no two NFTs are the same. Think of Pokemon cards or a rare pair of Jordan uh, Nike Jordans. NFTs create scarcity amongst otherwise infinitely available assets. And there's even a certificate of authenticity to prove it. 
you're going to see more physical objects, video game skins, tweets, gifts, virtual real estate, all being sold this way. All be transacted this way. It's crazy. Now, how do you buy an NFT? Essentially, any digital image can be purchased as an NFT, but there are a few things you need to consider and know going in. You'll need to figure out what a digital wallet is, where you're going to store your NFT and your cryptocurrency to complete the sale. NFT marketplaces include websites like OpenSea, Mintable, Nifty Gateway, and Rarible. And you're going to see these websites come public down the road. There are also niche marketplaces for more specific types of NFTs, such as the NBA Top Shot for basketball video highlights or valuables for auctioning off tweets, such as Dorsey's currently up for sale bid of his first tweet, which again, you can kind of look it up and see it. Is it really hard if you can Google it? I don't know. Googling a Rothko shows me all of his art and high definition cameras show it to me and like, I'm almost there. How do you make an NFT? Anyone can make an NFT. All you need is a digital wallet, a small purchase of Ethereum and a connection to an NFT marketplace. It, I think it's too much for most people, to be honest with you. I think people get in over their heads. But I just tried to explain what an NFT is to you, a non-fungible token. And I don't know if it's going to fly with you or not at all. Let's take a break here. Regroup, rethink, try to push on with the show, figure out our next line of attack. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. We're talking about getting to wealth, getting to retirement, blending those two concepts, living a happy life. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black. The new stimulus bill includes $45 billion in rental assistance. We know that the new $1.9 trillion is a lot of things cooked into it. And when you say $45 billion for rental assistance, that's a lot of money. But to qualify for it, there's going to be a lot of things you have to jump through, hoops. And what we've seen with a lot of these previous programs is there's money left on the table because people don't know how to get it or people don't know how to qualify for it or people are hesitant to qualify for it because it may turn into a loan versus a grant. Is it free or not? People have questions. So to qualify for rental assistance, $45 billion of it will be out there. You have to hit some conditions. One person in your household who's eligible for unemployment benefits. Or someone who's lost income since the coronavirus outbreak began. Or someone who has incurred significant expenses due to the pandemic. That's some pretty loosey-goosey guidelines. Maybe you have to qualify by having a school district that hasn't opened back up for in-person learning. So you haven't been able to go back to work. You have to stay at home, take care of your kid. Uh, but you're renting and you're like the, the work job thing versus parenting thing. Parenting doesn't pay as well as the job does. Parenting doesn't pay in theory other than socially for the uh, society. But you get the idea. 
to qualify, your 2020 income can't exceed 80% of your area's median income. What's my area's median income? You should also know that states have been instructed to prioritize rental assistance applications. If your income is 50% of your median income. A couple years ago for a family of four in San Jose, the poverty line was drawn at roughly $90,000 and yet the median income was around set. Like, wait, wait, poverty's $90,000. Stop right there. Yeah. So I get the feeling a lot of Californians are not going to qualify for rental assistance, nor will they get the empathy of the rest of the country. Well, you chose to live in California. You can always move. The process of applying for rental assistance varies like golden clay from where you live. You got to start with your state housing agency, and this is where it gets just weird. Or you could talk to your landlord. He may be able to help you out by applying for assistance on your behalf. I'm a landlord, and the last thing I'm going to do is apply for assistance. If you want to miss your payment, miss a payment. I'll deal with it. But I'm not doing it for you. I'm not going and holding your hand and grabbing the worm and chewing it up for you and spit it in your mouth. The amount of aid you're eligible will depend on where you live. Some rental assistance programs will cover up to 12 months of rent payments, while others will cover up to 18 months. Keep in mind that any rental assistance funds you're eligible for will generally be sent to your landlord and not you. But it keeps everyone happy, right? Can landlords evict tenants before that aid comes in? Depends on what where you live. Some states have eviction bans, some states don't. If you're having a hard time paying for rent in the course of the past year, you're not alone. Um... I would look into, I would Google today, $45 billion rental assistance programs and then put uh, Alameda County or San Mateo County or San Francisco County or Placer County, whatever county you live in. There's going to be some nitty gritty details that you're going to have to start with, and it's going to take you some time and some homework. That's not the kind of government assistance that we all love. We love the government assistance where we just sit there and they come and chew up the worms and put them in our mouth for us. I know you're saying, I'd. You make worms sound delicious, Rob. I know. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Amazon started driving around uh, their new van in San Francisco. It's an electric vehicle. And it's a new delivery van. So they're road testing the Rivian. Uh, The move marks the latest expansion of the program. The Amazon testing electric vans on some routes in Los Angeles last month. So we're going all in on electric vehicles. If you take a look at the Rivian van, it's pretty cute. They got the Amazon smile built into the dashboard. Jeff Bezos is watching you. Not into the dashboard, into the, the grill of the car. Um, so that's another company that Amazon is touching and blessing, Rivian. They've raised about $8 billion since 2019, including Amazon did $2 billion climate pledge and sent it their direction. Um, What's so special about these vans? Well, they're electric. And it's probably the fastest modernization of commercial electric programs ever. And it's something to say, wow, things are changing pretty fast out there. 
it was it feels like 20 years ago i got a toyota prius company car company gave me a prius as a driver on the town car hated the thing it literally felt like a golf cart now you get into tesla and you go zero to 60 in three seconds it feels like a racing machine so amazon backed rivian to the tune of two billion dollars to purchase up to a hundred thousand vehicles delivery vehicles that'll be in north america and europe to make the shift to electric, Amazon has redesigned its delivery stations, adding thousands of electric vehicle chargers. One of my local grocery stores has just put in a pop-up charging network. And I, I checked it out. They've got the Tesla plug and they've got the other electric vehicle plug. And I saw that they're, it's not active yet. It's good. It's going. On. And you're going to see this is going to be a big business. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did the story about Petaluma banning uh, permits on gas stations. If you've ever owned a gas station or if you've ever looked into them, they can be a mess, environmentally speaking. There's a big tank of fuel underneath the gas station, and sometimes said tank will leak, and to try to get it extricated from your neighborhood, it's a nightmare. But now we're going to be talking about charging stations, and there's a lot of money to be made as an investor as these pop up. Um, as an investment, uh, as cell phones have really developed in the last 25 years, cell phone towers have thrived. As electric vehicles are proliferating the roads, charging stations are the cell towers of electric vehicles. There will be big business there. Big business. Amazon unveiled a version of electric delivery vans last fall. They feature a boxier design, the familiar Prime branding, the upgraded safety features like an advanced driver assist system. They've got exterior cameras that give the driver a 360 degree view around the vehicle. Things that'll become standard. You know, it's interesting. Um, yesterday I talked about how NASA really helped America get into integrated circuits and thrive economically speaking because we went to the moon. Astronauts had to figure out, NASA had to go, uh, we need clocks that are really precise because it needs to burn for 1.5 seconds, only 1.7 seconds when we all die. So that's where the digital watch came from. Before that, we had these wind-up crazy things, right, that weren't nearly as accurate as a digital clock. So out of the digital clock came a digital watch. Out of the digital watch came semiconductors. Out of the semiconductors came computers and phones and, and more product. So NASCAR is a similar innovator. All the money we've pumped into NASA, like, wow, we spent a billion dollars to go to Mars. The amount of technological breakthroughs we figure out conquering the problems of Mars will benefit society, is my belief. Same thing with NASCAR. Why are we watching these guys race around a car track at 160 miles an hour? That's stupid. Kind of like being in the crowd and when the car explodes and starts heading towards the crowd, some of those people deserve what they get, right? Stupid people watching cars go around. Do you know what I love about NASCAR? Scrunch zones. What's a scrunch zone? It's what NASCAR drivers figured out we needed to do to cars to make them safer. So that when you impact and you crash into someone, Tiger Woods would be a dead man if he was driving a car from 30 years ago. Every five years, the technology is so advanced thanks to NASCAR because they're trying to get a one-second edge. The safety, uh, the cockpits, like... The amount of innovation that comes out of NASCAR that goes into our cars, 
You ever hear of something called anti-lock brakes? Where did those come from? NASCAR. So we as a society have to embrace sometimes like that's a dumb pursuit. They're just going around a road. What do you, you didn't really get anywhere and you won. You ended up right back where you started. That doesn't sound like winning. Scoring 48 points and dominating a team sounds like winning. And you beat your competitor by one second. Is that really beating someone when ah, that's the difference of winning and losing? Ah. Amazon's been operating thousands of electric vehicles and the electrification of an entire fleet. They're not looking for 10 of these. They're looking for 100,000. We don't have the network of chargers, but they're building their own network of charging stations. Very, very smart. Used to be delivered to a warehouse and they pull up a truck, pull up the truck, let's go from here. And the diesel truck would go and make these loud noises. Not anymore. I do like the 360 cameras on the, the van. Anyway, I've taken up this whole segment talking about nothing all that important. I'm sorry. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I try to be honest with you so that there's some infotainment contained regardless. Um, I talk about, you know, one of the greatest things in relationships, if you want to save a relationship, is therapy. But I think we all need it. We all do. Uh, whether it's your relationship with yourself or a relationship with a loved one, you could all use a good friend to talk to. And that's one of the things the pandemic has really exposed. A lot of mental health issues for people when they don't have access to talk to people or it's, it's marginalized. Oh, some, some shows are better than others. Let's get back to being a business show. Marginal rates are going to go up. CFP Chad Burton, he talks more succinctly about it than I do. I don't like talking marginal rates. Taxes are going up. That sounds better to me. Top tax bracket will go from 37% to 39.6%. That's what we're starting to hammer out as that's a likelihood. There's a chance that another bracket at a higher level of income is added after that. The Senate's too closely divided to raise rates much more than that because these guys want to get reelected and sometimes their constituents who give them the most amount of money earn the most amount of money and want to keep the most amount of money. The corporate income tax will rise from 21% to 28%. At 28%, our corporate taxes will still be high relative to the global average, but not as high as they were pre-Trump. Okay. Long-term capital gain. So I'm not going to say it's a reversion of the means because it's not, but we can live with higher corporate taxes and the marginal tax rates, I don't think anyone feels bad for someone paying 39.6% versus 37%. But it it will bring up some unintended consequences. Long-term capital gains taxes will rise for rich people, perhaps by a lot. This is probably the most important thing I'm going to say this segment. A lot of the listeners in the Bay Area and across the country have made a lot of money on Apple, on Microsoft, 
they had this big fat $10,000 investment that turned into a hundred thousand or a hundred thousand dollar investment that turned into a million or a million that turned into 12 million. And it's a big old profit waiting to be taxed. <clears throat> Even though you might've bought it with after-tax money, you're going to get taxed on the success of that after-tax money. Biden wants to raise the long-term capital gains tax to 39.6%, which would put capital gains taxes at pretty much the highest levels ever. And you're going to see a lot of people sell stocks the year before that goes into effect. Okay. Rob, you're starting to make me sober. You're starting to get my attention on this is less than ideal to be talking about. We're hearing rumblings of the estate tax threshold will come down a lot. Perhaps to his estates as small as $3 million. Again, is that funny? I'm saying as small as $3 million. Uh, I'll take $3 million. The Yellen Treasury Department is taking a look at trusts. And the way, for lack of a better term, I'm going to pick on Paris Hilton. I know it's not cool of me to do. But she is a, she's getting older. And I don't think she's worked an honest day in her life compared to what a firefighter or a police officer or a teacher does. Yes, she's probably put her name on a gin. Yes, she's probably put her name on a nightclub dance party. The Gronk Beach Party. You don't think Gronk's getting paid money to be hosting the Gronk Beach Party? Uh-huh. But should, her, should she have walked into that life just because her great granddaddy started a business and it's when he died instead of saying let's give let's split this it was put in a trust so it could be in perpetuity a non-taxable type of event for the heirs so that's going to be interesting if biden and elizabeth warren and bernie sanders get the tax increases that they want i i would say that, that would be a, a negative event for the stock market and you could change the way short-term how things work. But in the end, I think capitalism will rise to the occasion. You've seen uh, yesterday Mark Cuban put out a press release quote kind of thing that it's a lot easier for people to make money in Texas and in Dallas than it is in California. And a lot of people are moving to Texas right now because of that. Was that a, a, an intended consequence of raising taxes in California? No. Unintended people were like, you know what? I don't have to stay here. I can go elsewhere. So if you're going to tax the uber wealthy and push them out of state because they feel cheated and they want to keep what they have, then you're going to still have people in the state that need assistance, but you're not going to have that big tax basis to collect off of. So there's kind of a, let's try to get this right. And I'm kind of feeling at this point in time, we're not doing everything right. We're throwing a lot of money at a lot of problems. And keeping our fingers crossed. Many people have pointed out the optimal way to raise revenue is through a consumption tax. Herman Cain had some ideas about this. Other Republican politicians have proposed a consumption tax to go along with significantly lower income taxes. I'm not a tax expert, and I don't pretend to be one. But when you start doing parallel tax systems, and they both go up at the same time. It happened in Europe. Tax take in Europe is about 40% of GDP, whereas in the United States, about 20%. Could create a lot of political upheaval. 
<clears throat> the best year for taxation in the history of the United States was 1986 under Reagan, where lowered marginal rates, eliminated deductions, flattened the rate structure, and reduced the complexity. We only had two tax brackets, 15% for incomes up to $29,750 and 28% for people over $29,000. In adjusted terms, that 28,000, 28% tax bracket would kick in at about $85,000 now. So you'd have a 15% tax bracket for people under 85000 and 28% for people above. That made a lot of sense to a lot of people. Biden and taxes are going to become an issue with how they play out probably late 2021. 2022 is when we're starting thinking about them, right? Find me online at robblackshow.com. <laughs>